Once there was a way to find lots of candidates. Wait, I can't afford the the licensing agreement for Beatles songs, so we're not even joke about that. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal: to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter at The War for Talent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Uh, I apologize. You had to hear me sing. I could not come up with a better explanation or a better start to this podcast. Housekeeping, uh, gonna if you if you are going to Talent Brand Summit in June, come say hi to me. I don't think it's gonna be a huge event. It's gonna be a pretty intimate event, so I shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, chances are I'll be the one with the axe at some point. I think we all have the axe, but there you go. Also, I'm going to be at the uh, Social Recruiting Strategies Conference in August in Austin. Come fi- see me there, or come find me or there, or come plan to be there and we'll meet up. I don't know what to tell you. This is this is like my first podcast ever. Ha ha. Uh, and I'm fresh off, fresh off of RecruitCon yesterday, so my voice is still kind of catching up. Um, it was a pretty loose presentation. Uh, I think I kind of let it all hang out even more so than usual. So those of you who got a chance to see it, yeah, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So I want to start this by thanking Tracy Parsons. Uh, I listened to her podcast. She was uh, the guest over at Emotionally Intelligent Recruiter, or Recruiting, Recruiter, Emotionally Intelligent. Here, I'll pull it up right now. It's Emotionally Intelligent Recruiter podcast, which is pretty darn good. Um, so she talks about this idea that, you know, it's not about being human. It's about adding value. And then she has this little thread, and I, I, it just hit me. It was smacked me in the face. It was like, the problem is, is that on some level, we are boxing, not dancing. Now, we're, that's not a quote. It's a paraphrase. It's a recontextualization and really applying about 17 layers of, of metaphors here. But I think she's hitting the nail on the head. I think if you think of way back when, and I mean like four years ago, when we were in charge, recruiters was in charge, the business was in charge. We had the jobs. You wanted a job. We were in charge. Very simple. Very, very simple. Obviously, in the last couple of years, uh, that's not the case. We're at 3.9 unemployment rate. I think as of this moment, there are exactly, according to the government, exactly, in, in North America anyway, exactly as many open recs as there are unemployed people, meaning effectively we have zero unemployment. It's just, at this point, it's just the, the, the friction in between the system. This is just how it works. You can't get much lower unemployment because at some point people leave and they take two weeks off and they're unemployed for those two weeks and that's what that is, uh, among other little things. But... In that case, we're not in charge anymore. They're in charge. And yet somehow we haven't changed any of our systems. We haven't changed any of our processes. We certainly haven't changed a lot of our approaches. And what happens is, in the past when we were in charge, we could simply dictate by fiat, you will do this. You will apply with a resume using this tool this way. You will have a cover letter. You're, you know, we read all these books and say, if you want to get our attention, if you want to, us to listen to, you will put your resume at least 11.5. You will uh, format it very simply so that we could scan it and, 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 and parse it out and understand it very quickly so that our little tools, our little machines can understand what the heck you are and what the heck you're all about and scrape it for skills and scan it later and we can pull you out later. You will come to the re- interview when we say you, you will give us three times it's available. You will give us three references ahead of time. You will do all these things and that's yeah, that's like, you know, we might as well have shown up to every interview, um, strapped them to a chair, turned off all the lights except for that one bare light bulb above them, and said, 
we have ways of making you interview. I mean, it was just brutal stuff. And then, of course, as their level of power, as their importance in this process became more and elevated itself, we did not change. And consequently, it wasn't so much an interrogation. It was boxing, right? If we have e- – think about it. Equal parties, equal partners in this process antagonizing each other somehow for a common goal. We ask a question, they ask a question. We challenge the, the points on the resume. What do you mean when you said you do this? And they challenge us with, hey, what's it say on the glass door of you when you say you're all about that, right? It's very antagonistic. I mean, we do it with smiles on our faces because we're not psychopathic lizards, but um, it's still an antagonistic process. We don't believe a word any candidate says until we can prove it, until we can complete a reference. We don't trust what we see in front of us. Why? Because we know they're lying to us. Are they, are they? Are they always lying to us? Yes, they are, except they aren't. But the fact that we have to assume that they're always lying to us means we're in trouble. That's not how you want to do this. That's not how you want to approach this process, right? Right? That's antagonistic. So you're telling me that this person who you want to eventually hire and put in a position of some responsibility, even if it's just to take out the trash, that they're going to take out the trash and not take the credit card receipts and turn it into, uh, you know, you know, buy things with them, right? Everybody in your company has some level of authority and responsibility and power. And you're going to say that the first step to bringing that person in and making them part of the family, as it were, and please, please note the sincere sarcasm there family, businesses, family, whatever. You're going to tell me that you're going to start this process out, this relationship with your family out antagonistically? Really? If you've beaten me up and then you bring me in, guess what? You've got, I've got one foot out the door. Or worse, I'm looking for ways to screw you over. Or I'm looking for ways to get out. Or I'm looking for ways to be focused on me because you've made it very clear that you're focused on you. I've talked a lot about, you know, doing good content marketing and do, you know, engaging your employer brand, engaging your recruitment marketing is about making the candidate the hero, not making them feel like the horse, right? It's you want them to feel like Aragon and Lord of the Rings, not the horse. You want them to feel like Han Solo on Star Wars and not uh, that little toaster droid on the first movie that skates around the the Death Star. I am a nerd. We've we've established that, right? We know that. I'm in my mid forties. I'm a Star Wars kid. There you go. Uh, you want them to feel like Princess Leia in the most recent movies and not, uh, I don't remember, anyway. <laughs> you want them to feel like the hero. And most of what we do says you are not important to us except, oh God, we're desperate for you. Right? Right. Look at the stuff you do. Look at the processes you have. It's all antagonistic. Send us your resume, we might get back to you. If we get back to you, we're going to demand certain things of you. We're going to demand pieces of information. We're going to ask the questions. We ask the questions first, not you. That's crazy. What we really need to be doing to get back to Tracy is to say this is a dance. This is truly dancing. And that means equal partners with an engaged common goal, figuring out by touch, by feel, by instinct how this plays out communicating with each other at every conceivable level, eye contact, touch, hip movement, the beat of the music. You're communicating with each other. What do you want? Where are we going? And you can tell very quickly that a dance partner doesn't quite fit, and that's fine, and they'll feel out of place just as much as you'll feel like this isn't working, and they'll find a better spot. So let's break it down. Let's really go down through your recruiting process and see when I say it's boxing and not dancing that you're offering these people and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 we're good. We have a good candidate experience. Lies. You don't. Um, 
let's start at the top. Let's start at the very top. Most of you have job descriptions that says you will do these things. You will have these skills. Here's are the requirements. Anybody have requirements or qualifications section on all their job descriptions? Don't worry, uh, mine do too. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, any individual item here is not this killing blow here, but you can start to see that the, paint, the picture we're all painting on, on the aggregate is about boxing and not dancing. You will have these qualifications. You will have these skills. And of course, a good job description shouldn't list a lot of skills because let's be fair, that's fairly masculine focused. It's about, I have to have these skills. And there's data out there that says if there are six skills that are required for a job and a, a woman has five of them, they're generally less likely to apply. And a man who has five of them is generally less, more likely to apply. So just the fact that you're focused on you must have these skills, what you're saying is I'd rather hire more men than women. Now, I know that's not your intention because you're not a psychopathic lizard, but that's what's happening. You wonder why it's so hard? Well, there you go. You wonder why some companies have no problems hiring women? Well, they thought, rethought it from the ground up. So instead of saying here's your skills you must have, talk about what you're trying to achieve with this job. In this job as an account manager, we want someone who knows how to keep a client happy, to manage a million balanced plates on sticks, who can do amazing things with a smile on their face and drive the client satisfaction, right? That's all you want in an account manager. The fact that they have this experience or that experience or this skill or that skill is immaterial. Skills are very, very trainable. So long as you're not talking about taking someone who doesn't know how to code and say, hey, this is what architecture looks like, let's figure it out. Most skills are fairly easy to figure out. Most skills. So you're not about having, here's the requirements, here are the skills, here's the qualifications. It's about, here's what this job is trying to achieve. This is how we think you should be trying to achieve it in this job. Meaning here are some of the skills we assume you'll likely need in the achievement of this, of this uh, achievement, in, in the completion of this achievement, right? And that's enough. And someone may come to you and say, hey, look, I want to do this job, but I don't have any of the skills, but that's okay because I've done this job. I just called it, I don't know, liaison in the military. I just called it uh, account, man or account director in a different agency. I might have called it customer high-end customer service at a another company. I might have called it uh, chief of staff somewhere else. These are all similar kinds of jobs with similar expectations that you are there to manage a million little details and keep people happy, right? That's the job. Who cares if you know a program, you know a particular CRM, right? That's the material, that's un unnecessary stuff. But we throw it in there because we think if we don't have it there, any idiot can apply. <sighs> yeah, right, whatever. We use it to filter and winnow which is fine on the face of it, except it makes it antagonistic. So there you go, there's skills. What else, what else are you doing? Do you talk about what that person's going to receive in this job? I mean, certainly, statistically, none of you put the salary. <laughs> Even though Google's told you, yeah, you'd really need to start thinking about that. You need to start having those conversations internally if you want to rank in Google higher, which by the way, we're all gonna want to very shortly. Um, spoiler. You're not having that data out there, even though it's generally easy to find. Glassdoor, whatnot. Um, but what do you want? What is someone going to get out of that job? Or what are they going to learn? What are they going to achieve? Is this the job where you expect someone to be here for about a year or two and then you're going to promote them? Is there a career ladder? Is there um, 
What happens next? That's the trick I run. That's the thing I really hate about job descriptions is they're hiring for this job today, not for the job tomorrow. And the truth is you may be trying to fill a slot or a hole right now, but jobs are longitudinal. Jobs occur over time. So when you hire this person today, where will they be in a year? Where will they want to be in a year? Where will you be able to take them in a year? If you can anticipate where you'd want them to be in a year, talk about that. This is a job where we want you to do X and Y and Z and achieve these things today, but we think the right person will learn X and Y and Z and become an amazing ABC in the next year or two. That's our anticipation, no promises. Well, that's a hell of a job description. And friendly as all get out. <laughs> that's not your standard antagonistic job description. You don't even need a fluffy bunny joke in it, right, to make it feel friendly, to apply the patina of friendliness and wackiness, right? You're really understanding what a, what a candidate wants. That's step one. Okay, what happens? When they apply, oh wait, the application process. Again, I think we've talked about this. In the end, in the, day of, in the days of LinkedIn and Google, what do you really need from a candidate to evaluate them at a base level? Do they need to fill out a resume? Do they need to go through your application process? Do they need to fill out every damn form? No. You need a name and an email address and maybe either a location or their current job, just so you can qualify them. If you've got a name like James Ellis and you go Googling me, you're gonna find a lot of stuff. You're gonna find a lot of stuff and almost none of it's about actually me. It's a pretty common name. However, if you know James Ellis Chicago or you know James Ellis Employer Brand or you know James Ellis Recruitment Marketing or James Ellis Content Marketing, well, there I am and there's me. Not just what my resume is, but what other people say about me and what I've done and what I've published and what I've launched and what I've achieved and what I've talked about. Isn't that important? Isn't that what you really want in a candidate? So why are you forcing them to jump through hoops? Oh, because your data says you need to. Now I get that, I totally get the need, especially in a world where you're trying to manage your data so you can say, look, we know diversity is important and we have to at least, you know, we're, we're pushing diverse slates, but how can you have diverse slates if you don't know where the candidates are coming from and you're missing all this data early on and you can't tell who you're putting on a, a slate and when you're putting on a slate and all this stuff and you have holes all over the place. I get it, I get it, totally get it. That's your problem, not theirs. That is the recruiting HRIS, HR tech side's problem, not the candidates. Candidate doesn't care. Candidate could not care less. And it's not their problem. They should not have to care. You, want, you know what happens when you make them care? You're being antagonistic. You're saying you have to type this letter with your left hand if you're right-handed. Why? It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, well, I've decided it's important to us. But it's not important to me. Yeah, but it's important to us. Guess what? You're antagonistic. Okay, so the application process is stupid. Um, now, granted, you want to manage lots of data and you want to manage those candidates, but when you're in a position where you're treating those jobs as transactional, that makes sense. But if you're treating these roles as relationship-driven, meaning you're looking for people who are smart and you're collecting fans and you're pre-selling them on the brand and you're making sure that they understand what's going on and they're just waiting for the right opportunity to manifest itself and not, hey, I have a slot. Can I put your butt in that seat? Go, 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 next, next, next. Which unfortunately, so many of us do still that's the problem. Some of this is about relationships. Dancing is about relationships. Boxing is not about relationships. Boxing is about winning and losing. Landing some points, landing some punches, putting persons on their ass, and winning the fight. Dancing is about what can we achieve? How can we do it together? I can't do it on my own. 
in any dance, even if you, if you, know, you know, I'm the man here, so I'm going to spin you around, and you're the woman here, I guess, and gender stereotypes, blah, 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 and I know very little about dancing. But let's say I spin you out in the middle of the room. I'm not making you the star. I'm making you the star for a second, and you're going to come right back to me, and we're going to keep going. We're helping each other. Elevating your star elevates my star. That's dancing, right? Right? That's what we're talking about. So you can't start, you know, you can't kick off these these ideas of let's just put your butt in a seat and see what happens. It's about building the relationship over time. All relationships take time. Quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us simple as that just review us wherever you get podcasts share us on social media say nice things about us or complain about us i that really is completely fair uh that's all we really ask that's all thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show what else okay so those first phone screens those first phone interviews those first contact that are standard why do you have a list of standard questions well, we all know the answer is because we can evaluate them fairly across the board, and we don't. I get that. I get that. I get that. But people aren't the same. I'm an outlier. I'm <laughs> Trust me, the reason I have a job is because I usually do a pretty good job explaining why I am the only person in the world who does X or does it like this. And if you're cool with that, you're going to want me. And if you're not cool with that, trust me, we, neither of us are going to be happy with this hire. So my job is to not fit in your little process. And good talent thinks that way. Good talent, and it's not about ego. It's not about, hey, you have to woo me, which unfortunately in some cases it is. But it's about saying, look, treat me like an individual. Was it Jerry Garcia? And I almost said Cherry Garcia. I need ice cream badly. But Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead uh, said, you don't want to be the best of the, the best one. You want to be the only one. In the end, you want to be the only company that does X. You want to hire the only person who does Y. That person wants to be the only person who really thinks that this way. The only person who can achieve this goal. That's a relationship. And that happens only through relationships. You can only discover that when you don't treat them as transactional. When you're treating them as transactional, that interview is about... How many of these boxes do you tick? How closely do you fit into this jobs shape hole I have got to fill? That sucks. And that means I, on the candidate side, have to figure out how do I bend myself to fit your preconceived notion of what you think this job is. And unfortunately, if this is a large company, the recruiter's perception of what the hiring manager's perception is, which is like the game of telephone. Oh, I, I just discovered that in your Telephone, a game of telephone is called Chinese Whispers. I may have said this before. Fascinated by that. Just fascinated by that. They call it just, oh yeah, totally Chinese Whispers. And like we call it telephone, they call it Chinese Whispers. Amazing. Love it. Anywho, when you're not dealing with the hiring manager directly, you play a game of telephone, right? The expectations, the perceived expectations, what you think you want. Oh, the hiring manager won't like this person because of X. Well, it turns out they have, that candidate has seven other positive qualities that the, the hiring manager would would take their give their eye teeth for but never expressed it because they didn't think it was possible right if you've got a genius and it turns out they went to a public school and the hiring manager really expected a high-end school but would much rather take the genius the 
recruiter, and this should be begrudgingly because they're good, you're a good recruiter, might have to toss that candidate away because it doesn't meet some arbitrary quality, some arbitrary criteria. It's boxing. I'm looking for a reason to reject you. Isn't that what recruiting really is at this stage? The top of the funnel stuff is about I'm looking for reasons to kick you out of the funnel. I need to turn 150 candidates into 10 or 5. So my job isn't to find good. My job is to filter out bad until what's left is what I pick from. Whether in, in, most, in many cases, sometimes none of them are great or even all that good, but they're the best I could get. That makes me sad. And I think it makes you sad. So back to dancing. How do you make this process, this conversation, dancing? Well, you start by asking a different question, a weird question, a strange question, a left field question. You know, when I, and, and, and full disclosure, I'm looking for somebody in an, another region of the world, and it's interesting because there are cultural differences, hence why I learned about Chinese whispers. Um, but in the middle of it, I ask questions like, what's your superpower? What's the thing that makes you different than anybody else? I don't want to know how you fit into my preconceived notion of what this is. I want to know what you're bringing to the table. I know you can do A and B and C. Got it. What's the extra? I can get 20 people who can do A and B and C. What is what you're bringing to the table? And I don't care if it's passion, and I don't care if it's tap dance. It's something extra. And that's really what I care about. That's what I'm evaluating on. I've, if you are passionate about tap dancing, I may never use your level of tap knowledge or expertise in anything we do professionally. But if you have that kind of passion for it, that's fascinating. You might be able to have passion for what I do. I might be able to spark that passion in this weird thing we call employer brand. That's what I want. I don't want a cog. A leader's supposed to build leaders, not build other followers. That's how you do it. And if you're just looking to fill the job-shaped hole in the, in the business, you're just building followers. So after the first couple rounds of interviews, you bring them to the hiring manager. Boxing, boxing, boxing. Hiring manager has three choices, right? <laughs> Isn't that what we do? We bring three people to the hiring manager say, here's the best three I could find. They're all pretty darn good. And then the unsaid is, please just pick one. Please let this game be done. Please let this fight be over. I'm exhausted and there's blood in the spit bucket. <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> hey, look, it's not, I said, Lisa said boxing and not MMA. We could get really weird with MMA, mixed martial arts. Anywho, um, the hiring manager is just saying, okay, I got to pick one, which is inherently antagonistic. You're, you're picking one over the other, right? That sucks. Why not say, look, how do we find a way to, to make the best? Who's the best fit? Who's the person who's going to stick around the longest? Not about, you know, who's the person who wants this job the most? Who's the person who's going to give the most? In our, our interview processes, you're, it's kabuki theater. The interviewer asks weird questions in the hopes that they can pierce the, through the veil of the, here's what I want you to see about me that the candidate brings to the table, that first dateness, as you were, right? The perfect version of me. The hiring manager is trying to either peek through or peek around, and the, the candidate is trying to plug up those holes to make sure you never actually see the ugly underneath, the real person under there. Even when you ask, where's the, you know, tell me a time in which you screwed up, which is a great question, by the way. Not just because you want to understand how well they respond to failure, how well they respond to a screw up, 
but really to say, how honest are you being? I've had very many, a whole lot of candidates who, who, who their biggest screw up was nothing. Not, and it wasn't because they thought it was not, it was a bit their biggest screw up, it's just they were not able to admit to me what a big screw up was. Or they didn't even understand what a big screw up was. They were that blind to their own weakness and imperfections. And by the way, how you doing? That's me too. I have more, I'm gonna say I have more imperfections than the average, average person. Just gonna say that. But I know them, I catalog them, I understand them. I are my blind spots and I see them very, very, very clearly. And as I screw up on a day-to-day -day basis, I go, what did I just learn? What did I just do? Is that the candidate you want? Or do you want someone who is on the surface perfect because you couldn't figure a way to, to get around their, their camouflage, their kabuki theaterness, and they looked good enough? Is that person going to grow? Is that person going to evolve? Is that person going to be a star for your business over time? No, probably not. They're going to do what they're told, and they're going to leave in two years. And guess what? Round two. Ding, ding. And I'm not even going to get to the negotiation of salary process because I think that just speaks for itself. But that's the truth. We look at this process and we ask people, these good, smart, capable people for whom we are on our knees, desperate, begging to hire them. And then we treat them like dirt and try and beat them up and try and treat them like they're liars or cheats or, or failures or broken or frauds. And at the end of it, we goes, well, we couldn't prove that they were a fraud. I guess they're pretty good. Hire them. Start the onboarding with a big cheesy smile. Yeah, great. How's that going to work? We need to learn to dance. And it does mean a radical change in how we think about the entire hiring process. One more shout out to my friend Brad Ferris over at Breaking Down Your Business. He and uh, Jill, Jill, hey Jill, big fan. Um, they do a great podcast, but I was having lunch with Brad, not to drop names. Um, and he says, I was, and he's, he'd been doing business consulting for 15, 20 years. And he says, I was thinking the other day of all the things that have changed in the last 15, 20 years and all the things that are different and computers and internet and mobile and Facebook and social and Google and this and this and this and this. And I said, yeah, yeah, obviously. He goes, yeah, but what about the things that haven't changed? And in the end, I can only think of two things that really haven't changed. The first is invoicing. Somehow we're still scanning and signing pieces of paper and then emailing those scans to each other, which is crazy in these, this day and age. The other is hiring. If you found or if you got a time machine or you went back and knocked some recruiter in the head and put him in a coma for 20 years and woke him up this week and said, here's your job, aside from going, what's this Google LinkedIn thing? They go, got it. Yeah, totally get it. The process has not changed. And if you don't think that that's not a huge red flag for what we do and how we do it, you're fooling yourself, kids. The fact that nothing has truly inherently changed in 20 years, sure, the tools may have gotten a little glossier and slicker, and maybe there's this AI thing that we think about, but in the end, nothing's really changed. That means only one thing, ripe for disruption, ripe for change and not the kind of nice, easy, manageable change, but I mean, flip the table over, start again. Uh, it's, che it's chestnut checkers. It's a complete change. And if you don't get on board with that today, you're going to get tossed out with a bit, you know, in, in the not too distant future as it were. We're, we need to start to learn how to dance but to be fair. 
All those skills about boxing, they apply. It's all footwork. It's all hand skills. It's all looking and reading the other person's body, understanding their intentions. The skills are all there. We just have to figure out how to change our mindset a little bit to say, I'm not here to beat this person. I'm not here to put them on the floor. I'm not here to knock them in the sweet spot in the glass jaw and put them on the ground until somebody counts 10. I'm here to help them succeed so that they can help me succeed. That's quite the little change, all right? That's something you encounter very often as a recruiter? I bet not, and I really wish we did. Uh, yeah, so otherwise, thanks so much for listening. Just so you remember, I'm taking July and August off. I'm trying to pack the last eight or so of these podcasts with as much interesting stuff as I can. If you've got an idea, let me know. Next podcast, teaser, is going to be about job descriptions. I want to thank my running buddy for suggesting it. Uh, I will definitely kind of dive deeply into that. I've been thinking about that for a while now. So that's a great topic. I want to get into the nuts and bolts of better job descriptions. Um, so there, yeah, look forward to that next week. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Share it with your neat and nerdy friends and recruiter type friends. And I appreciate everybody listening. So thanks so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell Yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.